Welcome to Babylon of Brews. Deep thoughts from an overtime and text. I'm coming at you, Aaron Crew Juice for Verkin. I've got Keith. Hey. And I've got Gumby. It is. It's me. <laughs> Tonight we are going over who owns your mind. Dun dun dun. Why are we talking about my wife? <laughs> Don't worry, we'll edit that out. <laughs> but first, we've got none other than Great Lakes Oatmeal Stout. Great Lakes Brewing Company's Ohio City Oatmeal Stout is dark and roasty yet light and smooth beer with soft malty notes and dry finish. It has an ABV of 5.4 and an IBU of 25. All right. Great Lakes. One, two, three. All right. <laughs> Get that rich, mm, creamy. Out the can first. Ooh, look at that head populating. That looks so good. <laughs> Half of mine is now head. <laughs> Ooh, kind of head. do you kind smell that? Oh yeah. You can actually smell that oatmealish flavor on the top. It's it's almost sweet. You smell that? Mm, so this that is, is like good. 2.0? Is that what's going on here? This is like a new flavor. <laughs> so oh. this is their the newest version of this recipe. Okay. You know, previously, oh, I, uh, I think it was like two or three years ago, we had uh, we had this same brew, but they've now since tweaked the recipe. And uh, judging by that fragrance, I'm going to say, mmm. They did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys did it. <laughs> it's almost milky. Smell that. It's like... Like chocolate milk. It smells delicious. It drinks like Yoohoo. Like Ooh, very gulpable chocolate that milk. It is so yeah. smooth. It's like it's it's funny because it's dark, but it tastes light. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of deceiving. Mm-hmm. That's dangerous. Thankfully it's not too high in Yeah, it, it has a nice moderate, what was it? Uh four, yeah, four point five. So it's nice and moderate. You could uh, put like two of these down. You'd still be safe, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, man, that is—it's—it's it's a little bit thick but smooth at the same time. Oh, it feels good for you. It has a good mouthfeel. <laughs> hmm. Seems a long. We we've been talking lately about the health benefits of beer, and I mean, oatmeal is supposed to be heart healthy and stuff like that. At least the Quaker Oats guy would yep. talk about that. <laughs> He's not still around. I mean, he was old when I was like young, so he's not still around, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. You see him on Twitter every once in a while. He's got to be like 110. <laughs> he could run for office, though. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> no jabs there, makes, taking it at anybody. Makes Diane Feinstein all. look young. <laughs> Going to a... I'll jab. <laughs> <laughs> So Keith, what are you up to lately? Oh, oh yeah. So I'm uh I'm I'm going to be jet setting a bit here. I'm taking two kids to Japan <sighs> to see my brother. I need to hear more. Oh man. Yeah, that's going to happen almost exactly a month from now. Uh I've been I've been trying to rotate through the kids. So I took the oldest 4 years ago. Um and this is really the first time it's really been open again. Um post COVID. So So you've been there before? Yep. Oh, you speak Japanese? Uh not really. Uh, I can say uh, arigato gozaimasu whenever I buy something at the store, uh, which is honestly, I'm like, right. you know, it's basically like thank you for thank you for taking my money. 
um, but yeah, yeah, we're going to spend a couple of weeks there, uh, taking two kids this time because of the long period in between and because it was getting me behind in the kid backlog to take to Japan one at a time to visit him and his wife. Um, in the middle, we're going to head to, they're in Tokyo, but in the middle, we're going to head to Osaka uh, and uh, go to Super Nintendo Land inside Universal Studios. So we're going to be in Mario World. Universal there? Yeah, yeah. No way. You know what's a weird thing, too, is you look at the rides on the list in the Universal, and they're, like, weirdly into, like, like popular, but not, like, like perennially, like, all-time popular, like, 90s American movies. Like, they got to have Godzilla. There's, there's, a, there's a, a ride or exhibit or something. I didn't look at what it was, but it was related. It was themed after the movie Backdraft. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wow. blast from the past, you know? Um, Great movie. But, yeah, that'll... Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have a good time there. So, suiting up to have two kids on a 17 hours of flight. Um, <laughs> and then. Uh, so, it's just you and the two kids. Yeah, just me and the two gotcha. kids. It's really hard to take. Like, once I. St- like, the price difference now between taking the extra kid from last time, I'm like, oh, this is a lot. It's mm. a good thing I'm not doing this every year. <laughs> um, this would blow out the budget. Which one of you don't want to go to college? <laughs> I'm like, for someone who never travels, though, I totally screwed it up because I've got that trip, and then I come back, and ten days later, I go to a speak at a tech conference for work in Portland, and then a month after that, I go to another tech conference in Kansas City to speak. Mm. So I have like four like four day trips like right in a row after like not going anywhere for years and years. Like my my average before for business trips was like once every like five years. <laughs> wow. So that'll be I'm gonna get used to flying a bit. Maybe I'll get some portable gaming done. Pull out my PlayStation How Vita. How long is that flight to Japan? It's like um like it's hard to split out the like I go to O'Hare first and then I go I think I sit there for an hour. Then I go the rest of the way to Japan. So if you could do the math, like it's like I think that whole trip is seventeen or eighteen hours. Okay. Um, but on the way there, you cross the international date line, so you're always the next day. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so you yeah. always lose a day, and it's also really weird on the way back because you gain a day. So on the way back, Sunday night, my flight leaves Japan at five forty-five p.m. and arrives at Cleveland at eight thirty p.m. Same day. <laughs> Except I'll feel absolutely exhausted and no not sure what to there. think about that only being two hours and 45 minutes. It's no very, jet lag at all. It's very interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> and Gubby, you have more uh, more stuff coming up, right? Yeah, I do, but maybe you should ask me before the Japan story. <laughs> How are you going to top that? I walked on the moon. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got a couple gigs coming up, still playing. Um Got one, uh, well, maybe happening tomorrow at Brothers Lounge in Lakewood. Nice. Blues. So if um, you're in the Cleveland area, you know where to go. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm still playing at church, too, leading worship there. Very cool. With the misses. We're a duo. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't lead from the drums there. I play the piano. So. Well, I've been there. I know you sound awesome either way. Nah. I mean, yeah, a little. <laughs> That's the oatmeal style talking. <laughs> I'd pay for that concert. <laughs> While drinking stout. <laughs> yes. What about you, Aaron? What's up with you? So, um, oh my Lord. So I did launch uh, my Movie Man Academy online. Uh, it's currently in beta. So all the way up until October is when we've scheduled it out. 
So we are in phase one. We have three big phases that we're planning out right now. And in phase one, it's the online academy. So we have uh, the heavy bag workouts, uh, uh, levels one through four. Levels one through four, season one, are all online right now. And I'm currently in the process of uploading season one, level one, for our uh, TyPad workouts as well. We're also beginning to film our tutorials. And the goal of the Movie Man Academy is to make these lessons accessible to not just students, but instructors across the country. I've seen so many Muay Thai places open up and close down after one year. And these are good instructors that were just never given good programs. And we've engineered a program that's just beyond excellent. I mean, we've watched our student base go from 8 to 12 people in a class to now I average 25 to 30 people a class. I mean, wow. huge difference. And they're engaged and they're, they're working on their, their grades. Um, they're actually traveling out to fights. Um, we've got some of our fighters walking away champions now, competing in uh, Pennsylvania and Des Moines at some of the biggest Muay Thai championships in the world. So it's really cool. Program is working. So that's phase one. So when people sign up, they're going to have a chance to not just learn the program that we bring out, but to upgrade their own um, their own systems from what we're doing. So and in the end. We're going to have a full-blown calendar. They won't have to second-guess about what they need to teach each night. They'll just be able to log in and say, oh, I'm teaching these programs, and this is the theme for our week, and we'll have all this built out for a year at a time. So gotcha. it's really cool. So is it just for, like, a teaching course, or let's say the public, if I just wanted to learn Muay Thai online... You could do it. I can sign up for it Yeah. and, you know, you can do it that way? Yeah. By the time we hit October, we'll have uh, our first several levels up for our different teaching methodologies. The tutorials will be up, calendars will be up, and people will be able to just play along, understand the teaching methodology, the techniques, the conditioning methods. And we have some really cool brands we're launching around that too, like with Muay Thai Geek, where we have these like fun geekified yeah, Muay shirts, Thai yeah. techniques, <laughs> where it's just fun to wear them out to fights or out in public. And because well, uh, cool. you know, you got your whole closet MMA artists, right? <laughs> hey, that's I would right. consider myself that, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, a closet boxer who likes to practice at home and all of that, but won't necessarily go out or can't maybe f for time constraints or whatever. But that's cool, yeah, exactly. We have some third, uh, third shift people, for example, that can't make it out to evening mm -hmm. workouts. Yeah. Well, they can still get their workouts in, still learn the teaching, still learn how to do Muay Thai. Right. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And then we're launching a media brand around that as well called Muay Thai Culture. So the uh, Facebook page is already up. Uh, the YouTube page is going up. And then we have the uh, uh, we have the blog going up at the MuayManAcademy.com. So and that's phase one. All of that is phase one. <laughs> nice. Uh, we start midsummer. We actually start our next phase planning and that will launch next summer. But. That's currently top secret. Mm. I feel like there's a <laughs> VR opportunity in here. 
Like doing your. (laughs) There's more coming. I am prophesying right now. I'm prophesying. I can do that because I'm evangelical. (laughs) I'm prophesying right now that you're going to be on Joe Rogan's show one day and talking about this. How cool would that be? That'd be a blast. He's a big MMA guy, right? Huge. Yeah. 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 He loves it. He loves it. He does Muay Thai. He does Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Does he really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, that would be a, a fun... I could just complete. picture you on the show talking with him about it, so that's cool. That would be a blast. Yeah. You hear that, Joe Rogan? Get <laughs> your heart out, buddy. I've a good authority <laughs> listen to this podcast all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, who the heck are they? Yeah, right. <laughs> Bibble over blues? I don't know. <laughs> Gumby. <laughs> guys drink too much. <laughs> he only smokes. <laughs> Well, he does cigars too, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Yeah, all right. I just can't imagine a podcast without beer. Like, imagine recording every day. Some kind of drink. Without yeah. beer. Yeah. Right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> How do you loosen up your vocabulary? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> well, we have vitamin water. <laughs> <laughs> so our subject tonight is who owns your mind. Mm. And what we want to do is we want to educate the public because everyone has their news sources and everyone has their media outlets. But many of those people don't understand the sources of where that stuff comes from. And so coming from these different faith perspectives, we want people to be educated on how these things come together and how there's really only six main media outlets that control everything that you are probably consuming. Now, there are a few indies, and we may bring them up from time to time, but uh, outside of that, there are six, six, I say, that control 90% of all media around the world. Sounds like a little conspiracy to me, but you know, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> so we're going to bring these up one at a time. I love Paramount. And we're going to start with Paramount. (laughs) (laughs) To their credit, far less, far less problems. Um, But they do own a significant amount of stock. So Paramount, so the Paramount Global, formerly Viacom CBS, is the result of the re-merging of Viacom and CBS. And it's purely a media company. The company owns the CBS Broadcast Network and Studios, Showtime, and several U.S. and international cable networks. It's the home of Paramount Pictures Studios, the publisher Simon & Schuster, and the streaming video services Pluto TV and Paramount+. Plus. Owning the CBS Most Watched Network in the U.S., and CBS and Paramount Studios with their strong content creation capabilities gives Paramount a strong hand in producing very popular content. Behind the Curtain... (laughs) There are several controversies surrounding uh, Sherry Redstone. Now, Sherry Redstone is the CEO behind Paramount. Okay. So according to a Vanity Fair article, shareholders may proceed with their lawsuit against Sherry Redstone, daughter of the late Sumner Redstone, who built his family's drive-in theater chain into the company that oversaw CBS and Viacom as separate entities until they re-merged last December. She also filed a lawsuit that accused the CBS Board of Directors of improperly trying to strip her of control. Viacom CBS investors in a sweeping class action lawsuit allege that controlling shareholder Sherry Redstone used her, quote, persistent influence, close quote, to push through a controversial merger and sideline those. So um, she is... 
she is the the CEO and yeah, I've person heard, I've heard of her father controlling the reins. Yep. So, uh, and she inherited that from her father. So, uh, to Paramount's credit, they've avoided a lot of controversies and a lot of things that other places that we'll talk later mm-hmm. <laughs> about. Um, but you might know some of their brands. Uh, obviously, the entire Star Trek universe sits on Paramount Plus. As fans might know, I myself am a huge Trekkie. All right, I have watched every episode of every Star Trek ever. <laughs> so, all right, no, it's perfect. <laughs> Don't forget about Beavis and Butthead. That's Paramount Plus. That is also That's Paramount a very Plus. important franchise. That is true, and they have new episodes up. That's right. <laughs> All They've right. made a comeback. <laughs> I think we should do a of like a, a review of the Beavis and Butthead do the universe. Like honestly, it's a pretty deep movie. <laughs> yeah. It was it was it, it was something else. <laughs> it was definitely something else. <laughs> Don't get me quoting. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, and they they have several other things, and they um. CBS, for the most part, has remained controversy-free for the most part. They obviously do align a little closer to the conservative side, um, but they're not so far off that they are aligning with a lot of conspiracies. So, so they've been pretty stable through most of this. So there's not a whole lot I can throw at them for that. Do they have any like smaller entities that are like actual like right leaning news, or it's just like that their CBS News leans a little conservative? CBS News is the biggest news okay. in, in America, so they don't really need to. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a good majority of them. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Like they they don't actually need too many subsidiaries. <laughs> yep. I just want to say like Redstone is like an excellent last name for like a kind of skeevy CEO. Like it makes me think of like the Righteous Gemstones on HBO Max. It is pretty cool. Like Redstone. It's a strong name. Yeah. 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 yeah like oh, any, any, any wall name, right? <laughs> <laughs> so Sony. All right. So Sony is bigger than people think. People always think that Sony is, is the dying brand. Oh, I don't even own a Sony TV anymore. Right. But uh, they're bigger than people realize. So Sony Corporation is a Japanese multinational conglomerate that operates across various industries, such as electronics, gaming, entertainment, and financial services. I can't think of what. They own something with a controller or I don't know. Oh, like a station for playing stuff. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Nintendo? <laughs> something like that. Wii! <laughs> Um, the company was founded in 1946 by Akio Morita and Masaru Ibuka Ibuka you probably know more Japanese than I do so (laughs) seems alright okay Ibuka probably Ibuka Ibuka okay there we go Ibuka 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 sounds like how a Clevelander would pronounce Japanese so and that's appropriate (laughs) (laughs) got to sound a little bit angry (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it has since become one of the world's largest and most influential corporations. Sony does not have a billionaire owner in the traditional sense, as it is a publicly traded company with shares owned by various institutional and individual investors. Kenichiro Yoshida currently serves as the CEO and president of Sony Corporation. I am so proud. I think I pronounced that correctly. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> so, Sony Brands. So Sony Electronics 
is a leading manufacturer of consumer electronics products, including televisions, cameras, headphones, and home theater systems. Sony Interactive Entertainment is responsible for the development and production and marketing of the PlayStation game consoles, as well as the creation and publication of numerous video game titles. Sony Entertainment, one of the world's largest music companies with a roster of popular artists and an extensive catalog of recorded music. Sony Pictures, now this is where they get really cool. So Sony Pictures Entertainment, a major film and television production and distribution company, which includes Columbia Pictures, TriStar Pictures, Screen Gems, and Sony Pictures Television. The company also operates several cable networks, such as AXN, AXN, Sony Movie Channel, and Get TV. Sony ATV Music Publishing, which relates back to the music. And then Sony Financial Holdings, a holding company for Sony's financial services businesses, including Sony Life Insurance, Sony Bank, and Sony Assurance. Yes, they do own their own bank. Oh, <laughs> And to the, again, to their credit, there's no controversy I could dig up on their CEO. So <laughs> the company really, for the most part, seems like it's doing the right thing. Yeah, they got great publicists. They, they, they really do. Yeah. <laughs> One comment I have heard on the video game side since I'm a video game geek is that like we've just demonstrated very clearly how big Sony is. And Sony, like when you compare like to Nintendo, Nintendo's very focused on video games. And Nintendo is a absolute tiny fraction of the size of Sony. Yeah. Um, and like, there's this very real sense that Sony is so big that they don't care about like the things that you need to actually care about to be a good curator of video games anymore. Um, so like actually having like niche titles that would still sell millions of copies, they but they wouldn't sell like the tens of millions or like you know ship on every other and it, like you know system or sold or whatever. So like, and this illustrates the difference is like they had a really awesome like I think in an alternate universe this game would have like if this game came out instead of Mario. Like this would have been the Mario. It is a game called Gravity Rush, and it's a game where you're literally you're this girl named Cat, and you you basically say what direction you want the gravity to point, and you move in that direction, and you just float in all these different ways and do crazy stunts and all that, and it's amazing. Okay. Um, well, Gravity Rush has been replaced by Spider Man, or Cat in Gravity Rush has been replaced by oh. Spider Man because it's like Sony can no longer care about like making their own character like. Like it has to be superhero level, like it has. To, it can't be anybody less than Spider Man, or else it's not worth Except something as big Sony as Sony to make a game about it. They do have some ownership of Spider Man. Well, yeah, and that too, <laughs> of course, of course. But <laughs> Venom and Punisher, and which is maybe a whole other uh, sub thread is like which. Which superheroes or superhero universes are associated with each of the brands as we go through them? <laughs> so we postponed it, but uh, Bryson, myself, and uh, and uh, Zach, we were planning to do a, a superheroes episode for superhero religion. Oh, because there's different religious associations with different comic book characters, nice. and certain ones are Catholic, and certain ones are Orthodox, and so. It's really interest, interesting to see the alignment of, uh, of their, their faith affiliations, mm. which ones go which way. The really reckless ones are evangelical. I knew that's what you were going to say, Aaron. <laughs> it was in your time. eyes. Every time. <laughs> Captain America, definitely. <laughs> he is Protestant, yes. <laughs> um, but the, uh, uh, like, well, obviously, Daredevil, Catholic, right? Mm. So, you know, <laughs> Hellboy. 
is Catholic. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so Go figure, a Catholic would be obsessed with hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, when we get to that, it's actually a lot of fun because yeah, that would he, be. he makes it, We'll get to that. We'll get it because that episode's be a ton of fun because then there's different motifs and ideas behind the reason why of what they are and the different stories they're playing. Yeah. So it's it's actually really you've had cool. us as superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's going back to Sony from you know being a musician and the audio audio side of things, they make great gear. Oh, they yeah. always have really top notch quality gear. And there's some you know actual mixer boards that they make that are legendary for having like you know, Michael Jackson record on it. That I mean, they're really high end. However, they did go through their phase, and I'm sure you could still pull this up on YouTube, where people were complaining about their quality of their stuff, and some of their stuff didn't make sense product-wise. And it was called, and I'm going to bleep it out, but Sony effing piece of <laughs> right? Really? And, you know, these guys would go on and like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about my new Sony, new F. He's like, I, I don't even know what it does, but it's a Sony. So when I go home, I'm going to try this out and it's going to be great. I don't even know what it does. And it, it's, I'm sure it'll work for at least three months and then I got to get a new F and piece of. <laughs> and Sony was facing like backlash from. Uh, for a lot of their stuff. So I don't know. It seems like they rectified it, but I, I do like a lot of their stuff. Gumby, did you use mini discs back in the day? Mm. No. Okay. It was like the like like the ultimate audiophile thing for like six months. It felt like, like there was the mini disc guy in my school. It was like <laughs> mini discs. Like it was like a little a miniature CD inside of a caddy and you would stick it in like a portable player. Oh wow. And it actually had like recording capabilities. So like you <laughs> recorded SMODs two times. Oh. It was like a very weird esoteric format that did not last a long time at all. And, and to their credit, they have a very strong subset of Android users because every year they create one of the hands-down best gaming phones every year. And Wait, are they still making a gaming phone? Yeah, the Xperius, yeah. So to their credit, they, they do make a very strong uh, Android phone that's used for gaming and stuff. I had one Xperia. It was a cheap one, but it was pretty cool. It actually had like a translucent part in the middle of the phone, like where yeah. the buttons were. So cool. That's awesome. Yeah, they, <laughs> they, they do make a lot of good stuff. So so cool company. Can't find lighter. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uneventful. <laughs> All that for nothing. <laughs> All that. Just so we can sing their praises. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mini discs. <laughs> All right. Now well, we now start. Stuff. <laughs> now we start getting some controversy. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> AT&T, Warner Brothers Discovery. Yeah, that's all like one title. That's not, that's all one title. <laughs> so, Warner Brothers Discovery slash AT&T is a premier global media and entertainment company that offers audiences the world's most differentiated and complete portfolio of content, brands, and franchises across television, film, streaming, and gaming. Some of its iconic brands include Discovery Channel, Discovery Plus, CNN, CNN Plus, DC, Eurosport, HBO, HBO Max, HGTV, Food Network, Investigation, Discovery, TLC, TNT, TBS, True TV, Travel Channel, Motor Trend, Animal Planet, Science Channel, Warner Brothers Pictures. <sighs> and pictures that I also have New Line Cinema, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, and Turner Classic Movies. <laughs> nice. 
So, behind the curtain. <laughs> in a statement, an AT&T spokesperson said, quote, AT&T has never had a financial interest in OAN's success and does not, quote-unquote, fund OAN. When AT&T acquired DirecTV, we refused to carry OAN on that platform, and OAN sued DirecTV as a result. Four years ago, DirecTV reached a commercial carriage agreement with OAN, as it has with hundreds of other channels, and as OAN has done with the other TV providers that carry its programming. AT&T CEO John Stanky urged, was urged to sever ties with the far-right-wing OAN or step down. So... That by itself is one of the bigger controversies is the fact that they were caught inside that OEN uh, debacle. For those who don't know, <laughs> OAN is a... We, should, we could do an entire episode on just OAN and Newsmax. We so should watch OAN for an entire episode live comment. <laughs> like, it would be crazy. I don't even know what it is. What is so, OAN? so it is a huge fart right-wing uh, conspiracy network. All right. And I... And, it stands for One America News. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And again, I will show you some stuff after the podcast <laughs> to clear up so you oh, understand dear. who they are. <laughs> A lot of stuff um, about voting machines. <laughs> voting machines. And here's, here's one of the ironies of OAN, okay? And, and why I take some... Mm, anyway. <laughs> so they're one of those big ones that came against the, uh, against the vaccine, right? But... They still required all of their employees to get vaccinated. Yeah, that's hypocritical. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you could tell that they were just just like like there was times when when their uh, their correspondence during meetings, you know, the the media meetings with Trump, would ask the most outlandish, ridiculous questions just to coax his ego. It was so bad that when they would ask the questions. Every other media person in the room, including Fox, they would all look and just be like, what <laughs> are you talking about? Was Zoe one that had, that had Kaylee McEnany before she worked for Trump? Or is that some? I'm no, thinking else. I think, I think it's else. a different person. Yeah. yeah. But it, so they're, they are a, an insanely ridiculous corresponding quote unquote news network. And we could spend time on that on its own. I didn't even, I, the reason I didn't include it in this is because there's so much that could be said about it. <laughs> so yeah, with that requires its own segment later. Um, and we'll probably combine that with Newsmax. So, <laughs> but, uh, uh, Stanky was involved in that because he, uh, he was supporting the network. So we'll, Leave part of that alone because keep the jump all over it. <laughs> well, I was going to say real quick though, like now we're getting the stage of media conglomerate where it's like, it's that very blatant, like we just have these like semi-autonomous tentacles that just reach out and collect money. And we have no real freaking clue. We would, like, I'm sure like the OAN thing kind of snuck up on leadership because it's like, oh, like it's part of some contract 65 layers down. Yeah. You know, whatever. But like you looked at that, that list on the first slide of like all the different networks underneath and like. So TLC has been freaking low-key obsessed with, like, weird evangelicals for, like, almost two decades. So TLC, of course, had the Duggars on. Yep. And they've had other... They've tried to replicate the Duggar success for years with other, like, quiverful families, like the families who have, like, 12 kids and, like, you know, subscribe to, like, Bill Gothard or some other weird guy who's got, like, a cargo cult of, like, young women after him or whatever. Um, so, like... 
basically it's like, oh, we can make money off these people who are like spreading like really like weird, harmful like ideology around. But it's cool. We can make money off of them. And like every the whole nation's curious about them. It's it cross across who actually watches the Duggars or the Plas or whoever, like across across the entire political spectrum. So I personally, so they, and they, there's a couple of networks that they acquired that they don't even list here. Like, uh, health TV was one of those. And, uh, I'm sorry, fit, fit TV was one of those. I loved fit TV before discovery bought them out. Uh, fit TV all day long ran real legitimate, like seriously real legitimate, uh, health and fitness shows and news and specials, workouts and nutritional programs. And it was actually a really good network. I loved watching. You could really learn stuff. And after Discovery acquired it, it was just reality TV. It was just, you know, the most ridiculous people in the most ridiculous scenarios. And every time you turn to it, you just want to blow your brains out. (laughs) And that's not healthy. No. Because it went for it went from something that was really healthy, like like really healthy. Like you could learn recipes and everything else. It was a really good network, and then Discovery just had to screw it up. <laughs> you could probably draw a through line from this, from like internet clickbait to what they did on the channel, because that's like what I think a lot of channels are trying to do is like, how do I replicate that stuff that sucks people in when they're browsing the internet? Mm-hmm. Discovery is part of Discovery is cool. Part of it's cool, and they have really nice programs. The other part of Discovery is just garbage reality TV, and and they've just they've really taken a hold of that and owned it, which sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's my biggest takeaway from this. <laughs> <laughs> Comcast. <laughs> Everyone's already laughing. Yeah. <laughs> so. Comcast actually is huge, like beyond what anybody knows. Comcast is also NBC Universal. All right. They own everything that is NBC Universal, including Universal Studios. All right. So, Comcast Corporation, formerly known as American Cable Systems and Comcast Holdings, is headquartered in Philadelphia, is the largest American multinational, the names of <laughs> multinational telecommunication conglomerate. <laughs> So, let's go through this. It's going to take a second. (laughs) They have Xfinity, which is Comcast Cable Communications, Comcast Business, Comcast Interactive Media, StreamSage, Comcast Cable Holdings, LLC, Comcast MO Group, formerly Media One or Bell West. Comcast owns and operates the Xfinity Residential Cable Communications subsidiary, Comcast Business, a commercial service provider, uh, are they're actually in the same business as my as one of my <coughs> daytime companies that <laughs> nameless <laughs> Xfinity Mobile and MVO Verizon over the air national broadcast <laughs> network <laughs> channels NBC Telemundo Telecido and Cozy TV multi cable only channels including MSNBC CNBC USA Network Sci Fi Oxygen Bravo and E the Film Studio Universal Pictures the VOD streaming service Peacock animation studios including DreamWorks Animation Illumination, Universal Animation Studios, and Universal Parks and Resorts. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's kind of funny that they I mean they own almost more media than anybody else. 
And then they also own their own distribution network, Comcast Cable, right? Which is Xfinity. It just reminded me of the chart that we're missing is where did all the baby bells go to? Like which one of these different companies? Because they're all in like little different pieces. It's like, we just talked about AT&T and these people own AT&T, which was another thing before that. <laughs> so who's the man behind the curtain for this one? <laughs> behind the curtain, there's actually Brian L. Roberts. He's the chairman and CEO of Comcast Corporation, the largest cable television and internet provider in the United States. He has held this position since 2002, succeeding his father, Ralph J. Roberts, who co-founded the Comcast in 1963. Under Brian L. Roberts' leadership, Comcast has expanded significantly through acquisitions and mergers, including the purchase of NBC Universal and British telecommunication company, Company Sky. Which, by the way, they've had now they've now branched a new company out that they nobody is listing. It's kind of funny. Nobody listed this, but I but because I'm I'm close to the industry. <clears throat> <laughs> I happen to know that they have bought, they have created a new company called Blue Sky Communication here in the United States. The controversies for him involve Brian L. Roberts generally stem from Comcast business practices and policies rather than his personal actions. Some of the notable controversies include one, net neutrality. Comcast has been at the center of the net neutrality debate in the United States. The company has faced criticism for its stance on net neutrality, which has some view as an opposing open Internet. In 2007, Comcast was accused of throttling BitTorrent traffic, which led to an FCC investigation and subsequent enforcement action. Two. Customer service issues. Comcast has consistently ranked low in customer satisfaction surveys with numerous complaints about its customer service practices. In response, the company has made efforts to improve its customer service, but it continues to be a point of contention for many customers. Merger and acquisition concerns. And this is where we have some real concerns. Uh... Growth through mergers and acquisitions has raised antitrust concerns. In 2011, Comcast acquired a majority stake in NBC Universal, leading concerns about media consolidation and reduced competition. In 2014, Comcast proposed a merger with Time Warner Cable, but the deal was abandoned in 2015 due to the regulatory opposition and widespread public disapproval. Plus, they also have high prices and lack of competition. Comcast has been criticized for its high prices and lack of competition in some markets where it is the dominant cable and internet service provider. Critics argue this is a lack of competition that allows Comcast to charge higher prices and provide subpar services. Don't buy it. <laughs> Don't buy it. So this, this, this company here is huge. Of course. I mean, you have NBC uh, Universal, the, the studios, uh, all these different networks. You have their own distribution company. <laughs> you know, so this company is far bigger than anybody realizes. This is the biggest, single biggest cable pro- cable provider in the entire country. I'm still, I'm like floored that like for how big this company is, and I presume it's publicly traded, right? Comcast is publicly traded. Like that is still like had like the son succeeding a CEO. Mm-hmm. Like it's still just like another like medieval kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't nah, that's yep. a good... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. Competition is enemy. So now we I'm I'm gonna take a sip because we're getting into our big two. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Oh no no these are the 
big too. So there are six major companies that control all media across the country. And yeah, to their credit, um, Comcast slash NBC Universal owns a lot of that. But News Corporation stands heads and above them. News Corporation, or News Corp, commonly known as News Corp, <laughs> is a global media conglomerate founded by Rupert Murdoch in 1980. It has a diverse range of international brands, holdings, properties, publishing houses, and networks under its umbrella. In 2013, News Corp was split into two separate companies, the New News Corp, which focused on newspapers and publishing, and 21st Century Fox, which held the company's film and television assets. In 2019, 21st Century Fox was acquired by the Walt Disney Company, with the remaining assets forming Fox Corporation. The following list contains the brands, holdings, and properties of News Corp. They include The Wall Street Journal, Dow Jones & Company, New York Post, The Times, UK, The Sunday Times, UK, The Sun, UK, The Australian, a national daily newspaper, Herald Sun, and The Daily Telegraph. Mm. Oh, crap. We just went global. And <laughs> they also have one, RIA Group, an international digital advertising company based on real estate. Two, Move Inc., which operates realty. And they have book publishing, which includes HarperCollins, one of the world's largest publishing companies with numerous imprints and publishing houses under its umbrella, including William Morrow. Avon, and, Harle and Harlequin. But there's more. <laughs> uh, they, under this, they also own Foxtel Australia, a pay television company in Australia, jointly owned by News Corp and Tes Telstra. Telstra. They own Sky News Australia, a 24-hour news channel in Australia. They also own News UK, a British newspaper publisher and a wholly owned subsidiary of News Corp, responsible for the UK print and digital operations of the Times, the Sunday Times, and the Sun. They own Wireless Group, a broadcasting company in the UK and Ireland, operating radio stations like TalkSport, Talk Radio, and Virgin Radio UK. So behind the curtain, we have Rupert Murdoch. So, what kind of things has he been accused of in the past? Hold on, Fox News junkies, ready? It's all been cleared. <laughs> Phone. Hacking scandal. In 2011, News Corp's British tabloid newspaper, News of the World, was embroiled in a phone hacking scandal. Journalists were accused of hacking into the voicemails of celebrities, politicians, and ordinary citizens, including a murdered schoolgirl, to gather exclusive stories. The scandal led to the closure of the newspaper and triggered a public inquiry into the ethics and practices of the British press, known as the Television Inquiry. Rupert Murdoch and his son, James Murdoch, were called to testify before a parliamentary committee where they expressed their regret for the incident but denied having a direct knowledge of the hacking. Good politician. <laughs> the media monopoly and political influence. So Rupert Murdoch's vast media empire, which spans multiple continents, has led to concerns about media concentration and the potential for undue influence on politics and public opinion. Critics argue that Murdoch's control over numerous media outlets allows him to promote his own political views and shape public disclosure, uh, sorry, discourse, undermining the diversity and independence of the media landscape. 
Fox News controversies. <laughs> As the owner of the Fox News channel in the United States, Murdoch has faced criticism for the network's perceived right-leaning bias and promotion of conspiracy theories. Fox News has been accused of engaging in partisan reporting, and its primetime opinion hosts have been known to support and promote conservative political agendas. <laughs> Work culture and sexual harassment. News Corp and its subsidiaries, particularly Fox News, have faced allegations of fostering a toxic workplace culture marked by sexual harassment and discrimination. High-profile figures at Fox News, such as former CEO Roger Ailes and host Bill O'Reilly, were ousted from the network following multiple sexual allegations, while Murdoch himself has not been directly implicated in these incidents. As the head of the company, he has faced scrutiny over the corporate culture that allowed such conduct. Mm. So there's been, and now, now there's recent news because as we know, after this, uh, of all the multiple allegations that have arose since when the, uh, the voting machines. Oh yeah. How the hosts did believe any of the election stolen stuff, but they went not and promoted anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And they continued to promote it even though they knew it wasn't true. In fact, it's in their own text messages, and it's in their own emails. So it's public knowledge now that all of their anchors didn't believe a dime of what they were saying and continued to promote it. You mean they're just fed stuff and they just read it by teleprompters? And promoted it on purpose. No. <laughs> every, pro every profile I've read of Sean Hannity is like, this guy is like really smart, and he doesn't believe a word of what he says. <laughs> And it showed true in all those. Flabbergasted. Yeah. yeah. And their public knowledge. Now, if you go and you get the transcript from the trials, you can actually see that they didn't believe anything they were saying, but continued to promote it on purpose and actually tried to oust the people that tried to tell the truth. <laughs> There's like, like, briefly hit on that. There's like an interesting dynamic. Like Fox is very obvious because it's a, it's a longstanding, you know, cable news company. But even OAN, if you like really go look at everybody who's working for these companies, there's a lot of people who are like, I'm going to go work at a cable news company and I'm going to report the news. Like yeah. there is a significant segment and it's, you know, it's a, it's a vestige of where, you know, news came from as more of a public service, but there's like a, a significant vestige of people who are invested in the news and they have to go, they're the, the anonymous people in these companies like Fox and OAN and they have to go deal with this culture. Um, but it's just interesting because it's like, you look at Fox News, you look at, you know, these right wing stations and you're like, everybody's like, you know, ready for the mission. And it's like this big thing that's yeah. moving these different directions at the same time. I mean, and even these companies demonstrate that, like, these companies don't really give a crap whether they're their news entity that's like one of like one billion subsidiaries is like left wing, right wing, truthful, false or whatever. They're like, oh, is it making money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's two sides of the same coin. I really think it is. Rupert Murdoch, he's sitting with all the other top CEOs of every other one. And they're I, all smoking their cigars and drinking whiskey. Yeah, yeah. And what I didn't include in this is the fact that there are numerous reports from every country that he's gone through that he helps to destabilize uh, different elections. And he pretty much props up whoever's going to serve him inside those countries, including Australia, the UK, and the US. So he really does play the political game. 
ever guess it that any CEO would do that in any major <laughs> media company. <laughs> Truly. And not just him. Oh, no. not It's not just him. <laughs> just amazing. <laughs> and our last one of the night, Disney. I am Moana. Wait, I see 666. (laughs) (laughs) So, Disney. The Walt Disney Company is a global entertainment conglomerate founded by Walt and Roy Disney in 1923. Over the years, Disney has expanded its portfolio through acquisitions and the creation of new divisions covering various segments such as film and television production, theme parks, consumer products, and digital media. And now, let's go over the list. (laughs) So under film and television, they have Walt Disney Studios, which produces live and animated films. You have Disney Media and Entertainment, which manages content distribution, advertising sales, and linear and streaming platforms. You have Disney Television Studios, which produces television content for various networks and platforms under labels such as ABC Signature, 20th Century, and 20th Television Animation. Under media networks, they have ABC, a U.S. broadcast television network, ESPN, a leading sports cable network, Disney Channels Worldwide, a group of cable and satellite channels targeting kids and families, including Disney Channel, Disney Junior, and Disney XD, National Geographic, and that includes a whole slew of partners, (laughs) FX Networks, a group of cable networks focusing on scripted dramas, comedies, movies, and FX, FXX, and FXM. I know what you're thinking. Don't say it. It's so hard not to call it Fox. (laughs) (laughs) Freeform, which is a cable network targeting younger adult audiences with original series, movies, and syndicated content. So that's some of their major media brands. But they also have direct-to-consumer streaming services. They have Disney+. Plus which anybody who doesn't know what Disney Plus is, is living under a rock. <laughs> <laughs> it's a su- subscription service where you can watch The Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> they have ESPN Plus, which of course is a su- subscription service where you can watch sports. They have Hulu, a subscription... And by the way, they bought out NBC Universal shares. Oh. So now it's fully owned by Disney. So I finally know who owns Hulu. Yep. It's like serious mystery. <laughs> Yeah, they, they bought out NBC's rights to it. So they still have agreements for distribution, but they bought out the rights to it. Uh, and Star Plus, a streaming service available in Latin America offering content from Disney's various brands as well as live sports through ESPN. But they also have parks, experience, and products, including Disney Resorts, Walt Disney World, Disney Paris, Tokyo Disney, Hong Kong Disney, Shanghai Disney, Disney Cruise Line, Disney Vacation Club, Adventures by Disney, and Disney consumer products, including the licensing, publishing, and retail divisions that create and sell branded merchandise. Oh, by the way, they also own their own realty company. They also own their own construction company. I didn't include that in here. Mm. But they also own their, yeah, so any construction's done, that's their company. Yeah. If they have to buy property, they have their own realty company. And until recently, they govern their own section of Central Florida. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Bob Chapek has been involved in several controversies. This is behind the curtain, the man behind the curtain, since he became CEO of Disney in February 2020. Some of these controversies include his lack of response to Florida's 
Don't Say Gay Bill, which prompted Disney workers to stage walkouts and protest, and his announcement that Disney will pause all political donations in Florida during restrictions of its political giving framework. Chapek's tenure was also marked by a series of controversies and questionable moves that raised eyebrows at best and ignited condemnation at worst. Now, to his credit, that's really all he had under him. Um, they ousted the last CEO because... <laughs> They didn't want any more controversies. <laughs> because, because the previous CEO had a few more controversies under his belt. <laughs> That's why Bob's in there now. <laughs> so, you know, they were trying to clean house, and uh, they did a little bit. <laughs> is, is Bob still there, or did they get another one recently? As far as I know, he's still okay. there. Now, they might there be was the... something else going on, but I was, maybe it was somebody who was leading I heard a there, different part of it or something. I heard there was something going on, yeah. There's definitely some movement on the top side. Yeah. But it doesn't make... I mean, it does make sense, because they do have more media and acquisitions happening right now. So there, there's rumors of, a, of another company they're trying to take over, like they're always doing. <laughs> I mean, next they're probably buy, just buy Apple. So, <laughs> I mean, Disney does represent the potential most interesting, like direct CEO to high government leader, like head on end, you know, fight with between, you know, Chapek and, you know, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. Right. Because Ron is like trying to build like, you know, the despot of Florida or something like that. Like <laughs> He's trying to become a dictator. Um, and so... It, a lot of scrutiny is going to come under Disney as like this giant employer who has like self-governed their own territory in Florida for so long. Um, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, it should. So as you can see, and here's the problem with this, and here's the problem I have with this. If you look at... With what, Disney or just in general? With, in general. In okay. general. Mm. If you look back, uh, I did the calculations last time. I think it's... In 20 years, we'll say 50 be safe. There was literally 50 large media outlets mm. across this country. 50, five zero, 50, 50, yep. <laughs> 50 large companies that handled the media, which gave you a nice diverse portfolio of what real journalism is. Now you have six. Now there's a couple of independent ones, but 90% of all media is handled by these six companies. That's dangerous. Once you have only six companies and a handful of, of, C, of CEOs, there's only, out of all these companies, there's only 16 billionaires that handle all of it. 16. 16 billionaires decide what you get to see on TV. Yep. <laughs> yep. And six companies. Yep. I mean, that's that's not great for real journalism. I mean... That's why I do support some independent, like the AP is independent. You know, the Guardian is independent. Neither one of those is backed by any billionaires, right? Uh, Reuters is a different story. They are backed by a larger company, but to their credit, they always try hard not to have any political bias. They just tell you what the news is. There's no commentary. So um, if you want more honest journalism, look to one of those, you know, so... It's interesting to understand the trends that got us to this point. I'm reading, I'm only a very small way through this book, but it's purportedly a book about like the rise of right wing media, particularly radio media, but it's like covering every little corner. It was why it's taking me an extremely long time to read. It's called Shadow Network by um, Ann Nelson. And one part they go into is like how we got to this consolidation. And like you get to like 
prior to World War II, we actually start evolving like through universities, like high standards for journalism. Like this is what a journalist is supposed to do. We're like, we're getting out of like the muckraker area era of the, um, the turn of the, the 20th century where it's just like, oh, make up crap, and put it in a newspaper and have people believe it. And that's how we sell cocaine to kids or something like that inside of Coke or whatever. Um, <laughs> but um, so we get these higher journalistic standards and it kind of comes to a head with World War II where, where news becomes this public service, um, like this great unifier where like, you know, it's about like, like objective news for the decades after that becomes a, a kind of loss leader for the major networks. Um, like, you know, we've got these entertainers to make us money, but you tell the news. Like, this is an important public service. But the, and at the same time, we have all these newspapers that are regional, that are owned by families inside the region that are accountable to that region. Well, um, you've got then people um, like you know the the families that the person aging out of of owning the the newspaper are dying, and there's like very high inheritance taxes. So instead of the, the kids don't go into the newspaper industry, so they start to sell it to these conglomerates, which is why you have all those newspapers owned um, by, you know, News Corp or whatever, uh, and a few others. Um, and, and you know, we've seen now just the internet, of course, blew a giant hole in that too, where it was like at the same time, you're selling these papers to these bigger companies. They're only concerned about the bottom line. They're no longer concerned about accountability. They're also getting hammered by, you know, internet advertising, internet in general, um, classifieds used to be a big source of newspaper revenue and the Craigslist came along. <laughs> um, so now it's about profit. And like you literally, like, like you know, we're kind of just talking about before it's like, okay, a different company owns CNN, MSNBC, Fox news. Yeah. Um, you know, we can debate, uh, which one's worse. I can tell you that liberal, like conservatives talk all the time about CNN. Liberals never talk about CNN. Uh, <laughs> But um, in all cases, they're owned by conglomerates that don't give a crap about what actual message they're pressing. <laughs> because it's like, oh, it's just another thing that makes money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say that um, like other factors that really affect it too, in terms of how controlled our media is, is, <clears throat> I mean, just going through this, at this point, you can say, yes, our media is controlled. Oh, absolutely. Um. But other factors that include that are other industries outside of media. And one I'll just pick on right now. I mean, we can talk about military, whatever. Or we can talk about uh, pharmaceutical companies like Monsanto. Yeah. Or uh, Bayer. You know, I remember there were times in this country where, you know, they were put in the news and for all of their... Uh, things that they had done wrong you know as far as their products that they had put out so it's a lot easier to control you know six different ceos mm -hmm. from pharmaceutical companies who rake in billions through selling i don't know i'm trying to think of the family who was behind the op opioid crisis here uh, the stadlers okay who literally just bought their way out of causing an unbelievable epidemic here in this country of people being addicted to their products. Mm. But yet they can pay for the media coverage so that this stuff doesn't get put in the news anymore. It's a lot easier to do that now. Yeah, far easier. And not just to pick on them. I mean, you, you know, I can't get through many segments of any news without brought to you by yep. Pfizer. Brought to you by Pfizer. Brought to you by Pfizer. So 
you got other companies who pay millions for positive publicity, not negative publicity. So when something goes wrong, you know, uh, they, they don't, you still have a positive image of them. And that was a weird merger too. You brought Bear. Bear is also DuPont and Monsanto. Yeah. Those are all the same company. It was, yeah, yeah. Those were weird mergers that should have never happened. Right. <laughs> and, and my point is, their products kill. Yeah. And have maimed and yeah. have hurt a lot of people. Absolutely. During the last, uh, during the last administration, um, that was a huge, huge complaint of mine that I tried to bring to light over and over again, both on this podcast and my daily life. Um, the fact that the administration was protecting uh, Bayer DuPont Monsanto uh, against the farmers because the farmers were contracting cancer because they were forced to use all the pesticides that were being made by DuPont. Yeah. And, and they, they, because they were buying their seeds, Monsanto, yep. they had, were forced to also use their pesticides. And they started winning their cases in court, which then turned around and we'll leave the names out of it. <clears throat> but they started trying to, the our elected officials were trying to protect Monsanto instead of backing the farmers. Yeah. And, so. Mon- and Monsanto, you know, the further back you go in their history, further back you're talking just about the military industrial complex. And so one of the other issues that I have with all of that is that, you know, it, even when we talk about these six different media companies, we're only talking about the two party paradigm, right? Right versus left. And so, I think that there are some issues that both right and left won't even touch. And one of those health issues in our country that they won't even touch, I don't, not that I've seen anyone, uh, but there was just a big court ruling here in this country about water fluoridation in our country Mm. and how uh, studies have been shown for, I don't know how many years now I've done, I've been on a soapbox about this for a long time, but that water fluoridation Lowers our IQ. It it hurts people. It it causes so many other things, and you know, it, it needs to stop. There is a movement. There's a big movement of people against water fluoridation, including one of the Kennedys, uh, Robert F. Kennedy. And uh, but neither side of the spectrum puts this out. No, because they can't make money on it. Well, and they don't want it to stop. Okay. So there are certain issues. My point is, is that that neither right nor left will talk about. Yeah. No, 100% true. Where do, um, so like when you say like 90% of media, you know, or media is done by these companies, like where do like the companies that control the regional affiliates come in, like the Sinclair or the Clear Channel? Is that part of the 90, like that 100%? Yeah. Okay. They're they're the subsidiary of the subsidiary. Okay. Is Clear Channel a subsidiary of one of these? Uh, if I recall right, Clear Channel's under CBS, if I recall right. Okay. Yeah. Sinclair, is, is that independent or is that a... I don't remember which one Sinclair is. I've worked with Clear Channel before. Okay. So, so Clear Channel, at least last I last I knew, Clear Channel was part of CBS. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because that's like another whole like parallel thing of this is like while you have national media consolidating under far fewer companies, like the uh, you know affiliates used to be relatively independent and, you know, then there was, there, I think there were laws at certain points that a single company could only own so many radio stations. Mm-hmm. And then that changed. And then Clear Channel like owned like 75% of them and the rest were probably owned by like Salem or something like that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's almost 
scary when you start looking at because yeah. when you consolidate power and you start losing options, you start losing your own individual ability to control that power. Yeah. And like you said, I think at, at it through all of this, one of the biggest victims certainly is journalism. Yeah, hands down. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I support the little independence. Yeah. You know, again, to their credit, uh, the Guardian and the AP, um, and to an extent, Reuters, uh, they've remained separate from the conglomerates. Um, in fact, that's their big, their big staying point. And they've been around for forever. Both, uh, both the Guardian and AP are 200 years old. Um, and they've remained single and outside of being absorbed or merged by them. Yeah. So. You know what's amazing? Maybe it's something we should tackle one, one time in the future, but the idea of it's not even the fact that they have all this power. What amazes me consistently are the millions, if not billions of people who will just sit and watch and take things in, right? As if you're almost hypnotized by what news is coming out, whether I'm not talking about right or left. Yeah. And because I've had talks with many friends still, you know, and sometimes, you know, especially within the church, it baffles me. Oh, we need to go to war. We need to attack uh, this country. I'm like, oh, why? Wait, what did they do? <laughs> well, you know, they got evil dictators over there and they're, you know, killing their children and they poison their own people. And so we need to do X, Y, Z now. And I'm like, oh, all right. Without question. Without question. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. It baffles me that we can't, no matter which side you're on, um, sit down and be able to have the, the cognitive ability, really, and just see that, man, this is propaganda, mm -hmm. no matter which side it's coming from. Yeah. And But it's only propaganda when it, it, it diminishes the other side, right? Yeah. Or from mm -hmm. another country. Yeah. Or if it's Russian. There is, you know, there's no, there's no good side in war. Yep. Every everyone loses in war. Yeah, you know, I, I forget which journal, which which general I heard that from, but it was a U.S. general who said that. And he's like, no, there, there's no winner in war. We all lose. <laughs> so, and that's 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 really what we always need to take in and and and, and realize. <laughs> yeah. So, but hopefully people are able to go through, do their own homework in all of this, now that they understand that the media that they're watching and more or less often being controlled by, they can trace it back to just a few key individuals. Yeah. You feel like it controls people, Keith? Well, I was just thinking here, like, I was like, so what's, what's the practical take? Cause like I could watch like Moana or Encanto <laughs> or whatever and not watch ABC news. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, but maybe, I mean, maybe there's like a subliminal mass market, you know, hypnotic sheeple thing that's happening by engaging with the latest Disney hotness. I don't know. Um, but like, we're all going to engage with these companies in some ways, and it's like, what's the, what's the part you don't engage with? Like, is it? I mean, is it simple as like, don't watch the news from them? Um, 
no matter what it is? Is it don't watch the news if it has a track record of lying or propaganda or whatever? Mm. Um, I mean, like, yeah, I, like I, I'm skeptical of of any thing that's just exists to make profit and also to purportedly tell my truth. But I think Fox News has a stronger propaganda record right now uh, in recent times. Um, but I mean, as we demonstrated right there, you know, AT&T is pretty culpable in spreading away and stuff too. Um, they denied it, but, <clears throat> and, and there's even, there's a whole set of things that actually aren't, I don't, I don't think actually owned by these six that are actually might be in some cases the most proximate cause yeah. of release of propaganda. The, that, that book I was talking about actually talks about the rise of like Salem communications and bot media and these ones that have basically started buying up the radio stations that were abandoned as local media left markets and selling the time to pastors, mm-hmm. um, which kept themselves sustainable. But then that later became when they were engaging with, there's like, like a lot of cross pollination between like, you know, religious and political groups that results in like, Oh, well now we can have a political talker on the station and now we can sell advertising from Alliance defending freedom, uh, which gets donations from the same people we advertise to. And it all kind of just goes together. Um, and then it gets advertised on Fox too. Sure. Um, <laughs> Jay Seculo is on all of those stations. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know where I'm going except that it all, <laughs> is it, is it six companies? Is it six plus the other nine or 10% or well, is it one company? <laughs> the, the, the six controlled 90%. Right, right, right. All the other ones make up the last 10%. Yeah. But I guess what I'm saying there is like the ties between like Salem communications, which is not in those six. And Fox News, which is a small subsidiary, relatively speaking, of one of those six, are probably tighter than the ties between Fox News and its parent corporation. Possibly. Yeah. I don't I don't think as a society today, I don't know in large if we know how to make decisions anymore or to think objectively mm. because of all of it even though it's technically just six media, right? I guess um, in one way you could say, well, there's only six media companies. I mean, you should. But no, I, I, I really don't think that we can, I, I think, again, as a nation, that we've lost the ability to really decipher objectively what it means. So for me, it goes back to the old saying is, you know, <clears throat> you don't watch the news, you're uninformed, but if you watch the news, you're misinformed. So I kind of think as a society, we need to be uninformed again to reset our minds. Yeah. I don't think, you know, and and this is going on a whole other subject, I guess, but man, I think our minds are just overloaded with media. Yeah. 24 seven. We can't stop. We don't know how to stop. We just don't know how to stop. you know, we bit the apple and you can't unbite it now. Right. Yeah. And so we we're constantly putting things in that we don't we don't even know how to think on our own. It's interesting though, is if even if you stop consuming media directly. So I do this thing where I go on YouTube mm-hmm. and I watch sermons that you so, so number one, if you are a pastor and you're recording just your sermon to put on YouTube specifically, you probably already have like a little bit of an agenda you want to push. Like that's as different than like say just like posting your like whole like service, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um so I go on and listen to these these sermons that I know will inflame me. And it's like, so say say you're a congregant of one of these churches and you decide to completely unplug media. Yeah. Well, 
you'll go to church and your pastor will tell you what the media said. Yeah. We're that in, in we're, we're in that deep. <laughs> uh, but I think if yeah. you get to a certain point where you're not doing it to yourself all the time, that then you'll have the ability to see like, oh, wow, you, you really listen to Fox. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a fair point. Yeah. Well, oh, you're a CNN guy. It, are you? <laughs> you say that because I've experienced that. Yeah. Like, it, it's gotten to the point where when one of my friends talk about the news, I immediately know who they're listening to. <laughs> but it can be done, and you know, this is something that really, I mean, really challenged me personally, spiritually during the pandemic. I had to stop. I had to stop all media coming in because it was stressing me out from both yeah. sides. And causing me angst. It can and, do that. You know, there was so many other factors. I mean, like being locked down, being separated from your families, you know, the whole mask, no mask. I mean, just all of it together. I'm like, something's got to give here. Yeah. And I can't let media, uh, you know, I, I have to fast from this right now. But we can't, society. We're so addicted. I mean, I I would love to see a poll on people who take their phones to the bathroom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or have to eat with their phone in front of them. Yeah. I mean, it's literally like a drug. I can say I usually don't use my phone. I have a laptop. in the So... <laughs> <laughs> Now wait, do you do it's a you, far bigger screen? Do you bring your laptop with you, or do you have a laptop already in the bathroom where you like used to stick the newspaper? <laughs> and an Apple Watch. Can, 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 I, can I plead the fifth on that one? <laughs> but you know, I mean, going back to you know, uh, kind of the, bring this home biblically, I guess, and spiritually, I don't think our minds were meant to hold this much. I don't think that leaves a lot of room for God. There's an argument for that. You know, because essentially we bit the apple, we are God. Yeah. Right? You know, think about the story of, of Adam and Eve in the garden. And I think God was trying to protect them from a role in a position that was never meant to be theirs. It was meant to be his. And yet we constantly fight it. We don't know how not to. Yeah. You know, anyways, I'll get off my soapbox. No, good soapbox. I want to take you one further, though. Yeah. Go ahead. So, listening, so. Combining listening to media and then hearing the media reverberate through sermons and really anywhere where anybody has a soapbox, mm -hmm. it's kind of convinced me that humans weren't meant to exist in a situation where somebody can just say stuff to them unchallenged. Hmm. Like the one-way communication, maybe shouldn't like maybe sermons shouldn't exist. And homily, I mean, since we like to call them homilies in Catholicism, maybe homilies shouldn't exist. Like maybe we shouldn't be in situations where outside of maybe like some extraordinary situation, like, you know, there's a major national crisis or something like maybe like leaders shouldn't tell us this is how we should think at all. Yeah, no, I have a good <laughs> argument for that. You know, if, if we lost the ability to think objectively, mm -hmm. then you can take that a step further and <laughs> society at large, have we lost the ability to distinct what's actually reality and what isn't? Right. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to pick on the Ukraine war. I'm not going to say that it's not everything that they said it was on TV, but I only know it because of the TV. Mm. Right. Or the news outlets or, or, or whatever it is. Everything that they said about the Iraq war. 
You know, we were convinced that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. That's what led our troops going over there to die for. Well, we couldn't find them. Right? But up until that point, it was truth. So, yeah, I, I just think that we, you know, until we as a society decide to draw our own lines. The, the Iraq war was particularly distinct this example where it felt like the politicians told us what to think rather than the constituents saying, this is how we think you should regulate, you know, policy. Yeah. Cool. Which is a really common thing now. Is it? They sold us with Colin Powell. <laughs> so the whole white phosphorus thing and the white powder or yellow powder. <laughs> yellow powder. Cake. That's okay. See this? This is the reason why we got to go over there. And like, Oh, yeah. Still nobody knows why we were in Vietnam, so. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even have a, other than the Gulf of Tonkin uh, false flag, but yeah. <laughs> right. Well, hopefully everyone can have, take an educated view now and look at the different brands they listen to and trace them back with the information we gave them tonight and try to figure out who's talking in their ear. Wait, before we end it, can you pull up chat GBT and ask them <laughs> what they think about our media? I don't know. Think of some question. Do they think our media is controlled? Type that in the chat GBT. I can totally do that. <laughs> is our media controlled? Do you think this is all a simulation? Is there a conspiracy <laughs> behind the media? We'll go four, too. I've got four. Are there uh, versions now? You get four so quick. I can't seem to get four. It's taking me off. I pay for it. Oh, okay. He works for the devil. <laughs> <laughs> you think we are? You think we are controlled <laughs> by our media? Now, what do you guys think it'll say? Let's see what it says. Non, as an AI language model, yes, that's exactly how preambles. Uh-oh, it's, it's still going. It says, as an AI model, I, can't, I don't have a personal opinion on beliefs, but I can provide you with some insight on this topic. The relationship between media and its audience is complex. To some extent, media can influence people's thoughts, opinions, and behaviors. Media outlets often shape the information that is presented to the public, which can, in turn, influence public opinion and decision-making. This can happen through various means, such as framing, agenda-setting, and priming. However, it's important to note that people also have agency in choosing the media they consume and interpreting the information they receive. While media can play a significant role in shaping our perceptions, individuals can still critically evaluate the information they encounter and form their own opinions. Mm. It's also worth noting that the media landscape has evolved significantly over time with the rise of social media platforms and other digital outlets. This has led to a more diverse range of perspectives and content which can empower individuals to seek out and engage with viewer with different viewpoints. Ultimately, the extent to which media controls us depends on individual factors such as personal beliefs, values, and media-consuming habits. 
It's essential to develop critical thinking skills and stay informed by engaging with various sources to minimize any potential media influence on our thoughts and decisions. That is not the response I expected from ChatGPT. So I tip my artificial hat to you. (laughs) You should respond and ask, is there a role for artificial intelligence in regulating media in the future? Good question. Is there a role in mediating? Regulating media. Regulating. AI media. Regulating media by AI. Yes, I can play a role in regulating media, especially as the volume and variety of content continues to grow. Some possible applications of AI in media regulating could include content moderation. AI algorithms can be trained to identify and filter out inappropriate or harmful contents, such as hate speech, misinformation, or explicit material. This can be particularly useful for social media platforms and online forums where user-generated content is abundant. Fact-checking. AI systems can be employed to help verify information, identify inconsistencies, and flag potentially false or misleading content. This can aid in combating the spread of misinformation and ensuring it's moving a more accurate and reliable media landscape. Recommending systems. AI can be useful to develop more transparent and balanced recommended algorithms by taking into account users' preferences, biases, and the, <laughs> and the diversity of content. AI-powered recommended systems can promote a healthier media diet, exposing users to a wider range of perspectives and reducing the effects of echo chambers. Ooh, I was talking about echo mm. chambers all day. Copyright enforcement. AI can help identify instances of copyright infringement and unauthorized use of intellectual property, allowing for better protection of content creators' rights. Ad targeting and regulation. AI can be employed to ensure that advertisements advertisements comply with regulations, are not misleading, and are relevant to the target audiences. However, it's important to consider the ethical implications of AI regulation in media. Concerns include potential biases in AI algorithms, censorship, and infringement on freedom of speech. To address these concerns, a transparent, fair, and accountable approach to AI regulation is necessary. With input from various stakeholders, including governments, industry, and civil society. In summary, AI can play a significant role in media regulation, but it's crucial to strike the right balance between effective oversight and preserving freedom of expression. In summary, after a book, yeah. ChatGBT for president. <laughs> <laughs> You're here asking us serious questions, and I'm just like typing in Does Rupert Murdoch have stinky farts? <laughs> <laughs> it took the totally dip of my answer. As an, I'm sorry. As an AI language model, module, model, I do not have access to personal information about individuals, including their bodily functions or private health conditions. <laughs> going I kept back trying, to, but going yeah. back to 3.0. <laughs> I won't share what else ChatGPTI talked about. <laughs> it only got worse. It's scolding him. <laughs> it is interesting. I mean, it's rather transparent in its roles. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Yeah. So yeah. you're here. <laughs> Keith, last thoughts? Oh, um, we don't talk about Bruno. 
Hey, Gumby. Yeah, very interesting talks tonight. Uh, very fascinating. I'd love maybe in the future if we can delve into the like the spiritual ramifications of all these different things or somehow tie it in biblically. Yeah, I think it will definitely let us, I think it opens our ideas of where we're getting our ideas from. Are those simply echo chambers? You know, if you walk into something like, uh, say, uh, a Fox or a CNN, um, and yes, I said CNN, <laughs> those two are often very, very consistent with their ideas. Yeah. Those both create echo chambers yeah, yeah. because they're both reflecting the same ideas all the way through. Whereas if you go into something like, like I said earlier, an AP or a, uh, or a Guardian, you're going to have contrasting views from the different journalists, and that's on purpose. They're allowed to express their personal views yep. in journalism. So, Well, specifically know. with the media owners, right, like the, the Murdochs in each one of their specific, I'd love to know their backgrounds. Oh, we could do a whole, whole episode on that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still not convinced any liberals listen to CNN. I've never talked to a liberal who's like, I heard this thing on CNN. <laughs> is, is CNN considered left again? It is. Okay. It is, yeah. It's it's not as far left as, as Fox is right, but it's still left, yeah. Gotcha. So, all right. Well, don't forget to catch us on all the social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Tumblr and... Uh, Oh, yeah, Patreon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you could also, you know, buy us our next six-pack at uh, anchor.fm forward slash Bible of the Blues. If you send us money, it does not go to one of these six media companies. That's right. Spend your... Unless they own a beer company. <laughs> spend your money wisely. Yeah, let's... Uh, actually, don't say, don't say that publicly. <laughs> yeah. We know. <laughs> yeah, good point. Godspeed and good night. Peace out. <laughs>